0: Welcome into Loserville, folks. This is Philip Kingston, um, joined by Tyler Wade. We have um, at least a couple of guests that we're trying to schedule that I think are going to be really interesting. Uh, One is a legendary lawyer in Dallas who has um, very much changed the landscape of affordable housing um and another is uh an education expert that i think people are going to enjoy but for this week you have me and you have tyler wade for a crew show hey tyler
1: hey how you philip how are you doing
0: i am busy out of my mind um which is good i did that to myself um, but also trying to get out of town so i can go see f1 this weekend
1: yeah, Austin. Everything's happening in Austin. That's uh, it's our crazy, busy travel season too. So I've been down in uh, the Rio Grande Valley this week, and all of it, every, from Brownsville to McAllen, uh, just touching it all. So how
0: did you ever? How did you ever safely escape the clutches of MS-13 and yeah, people I literally know, throwing fentanyl at you to try to kill you <laughs> with one pill?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's incredibly dangerous all the time. Um, every morning when I uh, went down to the hotel lobby for breakfast, there is like this, uh, I don't know, like uh, army people everywhere, right, that are down there eating breakfast at the hotel as well, that are like there for, you know, because of the the huge crisis that we have at our border. So uh, I assume
0: you got good pictures of the huge crisis. Did, were you able to see the crisis?
1: it's you know i just yeah i mean all through the night you know there were just migrants just you know walking through the hotel (laughs) lobby um i mean every it's sort of it's funny when i went down there gosh a couple years ago for the first time and drove up to uh one of the the places where the wall exists because so people who've never been to south texas um you should one you should go because it's just fascinating but two You know, when we build sections of border wall, they don't build them, like, starting at one end and going to the other end. They build them in these stupid, like, half-mile-long segments, and then there's going to be four miles of nothing, and then another, like, half a mile of a stupid wall. And uh, just, I don't know, I posted a video of it when I was there at the time, I was like, as you can see, this is just an incredibly dangerous situation. There are just thousands of people that are just literally – Coming here all the time, you know. Not only are they, you know, brown people, but I mean, hell, probably some of them are members of ISIS, right? I mean, you know, they talked about that for a long time. You know that that huge ISIS Mexico pipeline.
0: Yeah, we've uh, we've arrested how many
1: terrorists on the southern border? Yeah, a lot. I mean, you know, it's it's they don't like to quantify things like that. (laughs) Um, But no, it's uh, you know, every time I go there, you know, and I talk to families, it is an incredibly infuriating. Uh, just lies that have been peddled to people and our immigration policy is just so awful and inhumane and the people who put it in place should never be in charge, allowed to be in charge of anything again. I'm reading a a really interesting book currently by uh, a guy who's a civil rights attorney down there that's called My Boy Will Die of Sorrow that sort of tells the story. Efren Olivares is the, the man's name um, but he tells the story of the child separation uh, policies that were taking place under the Trump administration in 2018. And, you know, just the narrative of what immigration courts are like, you know, when they come in, we don't even refer to people by their names. You know, they're given an alien registration number and cases are red in course with your alien registration number, the last three digits of you. So, you know, you're A342 um, and the government, basically tells you your options are to plead guilty and be deported or to plead not guilty. And then they'll bring two witnesses, you know, the border patrol agent who arrested you and um, then the other border patrol agent that was, you know, doing research on you and found out that you have no right to be here. And then you'll be found guilty and deported. Um, And, oh, by the way, we're going to take away your children from you and you may not get them back again. Uh,
0: Well, yeah, and that's that is truly heartbreaking. And that that certain his his uh, recitation of those events is very valid. Many people have experienced this, but currently um, the thing that a lot of people don't understand is that the people who are coming to the United States uh, don't really fall in the category of people seeking um, to be here without going through the right process, you know, most of them are asylum seekers, which they have a legal right to enter the United States and make the asylum claim on our side of the border, despite the Trump administration's argument that it has the ability to make people stay in Mexico. That that is a blatant violation of our. That's not how asylum works, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it, it, and eventually that will work its way through the courts and. Um, we may reach a constitutional um, crisis. There may be a situation in which a, a, a treaty that has been ratified by the Senate has the same force and effect as any law of Congress. And if the Supreme Court finds that the president's executive order can overrule a treaty obligation, and keep in mind, the treaty was signed by an American president yeah we like were part this... of we were part of writing the damn thing yeah and so it, it's it it i mean i don't know i suspect that that down the road we will wind up in a situation where we will have looked back on the way that asylum seekers were treated and just be fucking sorry about it yeah not everybody awful. but but yeah. but a lot of people and uh that that's the thing that you know. Governor Abbott never refers to these people as people. He calls them illegals, and they're illegals. they're they're literally not illegal. And you got to keep in mind, Greg Abbott used to be the appellate lawyer for the state of Texas. Um, you know, he 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 was a Supreme Court justice. He knows this stuff. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's really it's very frustrating. You know, if I, if I, as, as just a regular old lawyer, um, went around, um, lying about official, uh, government business that I was involved in, I could be subject to having my license taken away, you know? And I, I, I just, I, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty audacious about what I will and won't say, um. About what I will say, I suppose, is how I should put that. And I don't have whatever it takes to do what he's doing. It's very, it's it's disheartening, but it's also very hard to explain why a person like him would do that other than simply he can't figure out another way to get votes.
1: Yeah, other than just ginning up good old-fashioned racism, which, you know, so much of, I mean, our immigration policy was all about, right, was keeping non-white people out of America for as long you as you know possible.
0: you know why the those wall sections are spotty no because acquiring the land to build Well, I'm sure it takes a
1: long time right yeah the
0: yeah it's the very hard and so they, they yep. built it where they already had the right to do it yeah and a lot of these ranchers down there some of whom ha- are in league with the governor in, in creating this fear When they find out that what they are doing is giving up land on their property. It's not just like there's a a board, there's no line drawn on the ground down there that's the border. The shit has to get surveyed. And then Mm -hmm. the 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 people who are building the wall want the the what they want an easement on the US side of the wall to be able to drive heavy equipment. So they're looking for like 50 feet.
1: And yeah, so and sometimes more once, even in more places. Right. Yeah. 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 So
0: once these ranchers figure this shit out, sometimes they're like, oh, shit, you can't have my property. And
1: not only right, they only get paid for the portion of the land that the wall and the easement are on. But if it runs through your property and cuts part of your property off from the other part of your property that is on the river. Right. You don't get compensated for the property that you no longer have access to because there's a stupid effing wall. This, I mean, the whole thing is just maybe maybe what
0: you're what right. you're going to do if you're a wealthy rancher is you're going to you're going to launch onerous litigation. Yeah. Um. And so the the if if we all agreed in the United States that we should have a wall down there and tried to build it, it still wouldn't work. Yeah. It's the
1: stupidest thing of all time, <laughs> of the second of stupid things that are going on in in South Texas. So I we I don't want to you know bore. This is it's Loserville. We talk about Dallas politics, but uh, I always like to bring back dispatches from the South. And uh, a real head scratcher of this last uh, week has been the D C and the Democrat Party. Gosh, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, they're not in favor of putting kids in cages, right? And Democrats have a lot of things to be proud of, but. Uh, Sometimes they just really screw the pooch on uh, things and uh, they're in the middle of doing it currently. So uh, Michelle Vallejo is a a progressive Democrat who's the nominee for the Texas's 15th congressional district. Um, This is the district that used to be represented by Vicente Gonzalez. Vicente is running in District 34 because 15 has been was redistricted um, and redrawn by Republicans to be more Republican friendly. So in its current iteration, it would have gone about 50, 50.8% for Trump in 2020. Um, so it's not out of reach for Democrats, certainly, right? Democrats um, appointed Michelle Vallejo, a, a progressive, um, who, or well, she won the primary and a runoff, uh, is a small business owner. Um, and the DCCC decided this week to take funding away from Michelle's race and direct it towards, um, you know, noted pro-life uh, Democrat, Henry Cuellar, um, in in helping him in his reelection fight. Um, And in Vicente's fight, which he is an incumbent, um, not in that district, but that district was drawn to be more democratic, and they're taking funding away from the the race that is the most winnable, um, right, or uh, competitive, but also one that they could easily win. Um, It's a real head-scratcher. Thankfully, Bernie is coming to McAllen on Saturday um, to attend a rally to try and fire up folks um, down there. So you know the progressive wing of the party stepping in where the establishment folks are, you know, being recalcitrant. And it's just this, the thing that Democrats do all the time. That just really is infuriating when they worry about protecting people in power more than they do about making sure that we don't lose races.
0: Well, and and really, Quare is not in danger. He's going to win despite mm-hmm. being under federal investigation. Apparently, yeah. um, the it's not Democrats. I mean, broadly speaking, it is Democrats, but it's not all of us. It's the D Triple C, which is a very specific group. Yeah, this is the political arm of House congressional representatives. Um, it meddles in everything. It gets involved in democratic primaries, which is a serious no-no. I mean, it's like it, it, the the level of hatred among rank and file Democrats for the DCCC among people who actually work in campaigns is yeah. sky high. But here's the thing: the DCCC is not about a Democratic majority. It is about keeping Nancy Pelosi as Speaker. That is its goal, yeah. and uh uh Michelle is seen as somebody who would not be a reliable vote for Pelosi for speaker. I don't know what communications she's had that made D trip think that. Everybody calls it D trip. Um, but um she's seen that way. Um, and of course, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi has now tipped the scales in Henry Cuellar's favor in two successive elections against a woman who almost certainly would have won uh you know two years ago against him and probably could have won uh you know this year against him in the primary and it's it it uh, you know there's been a lot of love for Nancy Pelosi the last last couple of weeks when we've seen you know how she handled herself on January 6th but uh, man fuck that that lady sucks I you know I don't want her um and we'd be better off without her and I, I don't know I mean, she's crooked as shit. She trades stocks like a mad woman. Her husband has a million DWIs that never get prosecuted. Yeah. You can't tell me that she's playing by the rules, you know?
1: Yeah, no, it's yeah, incredibly frustrating.
0: And, and the I thing is, everybody yeah. everybody who listens to this podcast, I guarantee, has gotten a text on their phone from DCCC trying or to raise their money. money.
1: Yes. And if you yes. ever give money to the DCCC, yeah, don't. you can go to hell with them. <laughs> Yeah. Don't do it. It's uh, no, it's I mean, incredibly frustrating. And, you know, what's awful. So if Michelle loses this race, um, you know, this it contributes to the narrative that, you know, Republicans are are taking over Latino uh, areas. Right. And the Republicans are, are taking over South Texas in a race that is, you know, very winnable. Um, and I think also contributes to the narrative uh, that Republicans say is that, you know, Democrats just take Latinos for granted. Uh, And and they don't want to actually do anything to help people anyway, right? Um, And it just is another way to sort of double down on that. So incredibly, incredibly frustrating. If folks are so inclined to support folks, I know Michelle would appreciate uh, folks, um, you know, talents, time and treasure in the closing, what we have four weeks until election day, right? Or less than that now. So um, this is crunch time. Early voting starts Monday. Uh, So
0: Can't start soon enough.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's the South Texas report. For uh, for our Loserville listeners, I
0: um I spend a lot of time on the border in far west Texas and in McAllen specifically, and so I appreciate the report. And I think it's you know I think it ties in simply because Greg Abbott has tried to make it a central part of um his campaign. And it's always been the case that in Texas, Republicans couldn't really be fooled by border issues because they knew too much about them. Um, And I'm worried that that's changing. And I know I've seen Pew uh, polling that shows that nationally it has seriously changed. This is one of the issues that motivates national Republicans. Mm -hmm. People in no offense, your home state. Indiana.
1: Yeah. Are extremely
0: convinced that their lives are being placed in danger because of uh the lack of border security and you know well, people in
1: my own family they're like you better be careful when you go down there i'm like i don't think ms-13 is going to come and get me you know and if they did i wouldn't fetch a very high price anyway <laughs> so it, and i
0: mean that might be the ransom of red sheep, you know yeah. um so i i don't uh you know um it's it, it it's political theater um and it, we're always going to have political theater. I just, I get frustrated because it's clearly having a national impact in a way that's going to be important in November and again in 2024. And the Biden administration basically refuses to respond to it. They treat yeah. Greg Abbott as though he's silly, which I think in in most cases is the right thing. But this is a hoax that is yeah. gaining traction. And of course, it was a centerpiece of Trumpism. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why Joe wouldn't spend a couple of days down on no, the border. It makes no sense. I don't
1: understand it at all. Fucking why they won't go there? Walking
0: back and forth yes. with an ice cream cone yeah. across a bridge and meeting, you know, asylum seekers, regular Mexicans in border towns. Uh, you know, yeah. and no, I don't like, understand. Yeah, for the life like, of me, nor- I don't understand. Normalizing why they go. hanging out on the border. Because I'm here to tell you. There's always an argument between El Paso and McAllen about which one is the safest city in Texas. Yeah.
1: And it usually There are more comes law enforcement in, people there than anywhere in the world, right? I oh, mean, it's, it's totally insane. militarized. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, it, 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 I mean, it's not as clean or fun or cosmopolitan as Singapore simply because it doesn't have the level of wealth, but it has the same sort of level of you, you don't dare spit your gum out on the ground.
1: Yeah yeah no, I don't understand why biden and and Harris won't go there at all or or seemingly refuse to acknowledge its existence at all. It's just yeah incredibly frustrating, incredibly um, frustrating.
0: well, a totally non frustrating topic I thought of
1: yeah. <laughs> go on Council,
0: Council was briefed again yesterday on i three forty five
1: yeah. Yeah, well, after I mean, reading so that the Dallas, you know, the news is editorial about this from the weekend was just the stupidest thing that. I mean, they've been on a roll lately. The folks that are on the editorial board at the Dallas Morning News uh, of some of the stuff that they put out, but the one that they wrote about three forty-five is just, can Dallas afford another deck park? Can we afford a ten million dollar fountain? Like granted that was donations but you know god the thing it's a the priorities
0: thing. thing though right
1: yes yes um you know so yeah they write that you know uh, editorial you know titled dallas uh, beware text dots alternative for i-345 so you know philip and i and others uh, aligned with us think that text dots proposed solution is a stupid one right and the dallas morning news is like you know what actually the hybrid option is stupid. Let's just keep the thing as it is, but make it a smaller footprint, which I don't even know what the hell that means. The same number of lanes. Uh... I, I will tell you, I knew exactly
0: what they're trying to do. They have sensed that the Overton window moved to having at its edges hybrid versus complete removal and replacement with a boulevard. And that even the, the uh, you know, the kind of tunnel project, a completely covered project had already lost momentum the argument right now so the 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 synthesis uh the the thesis is trench it the um wait now now i'm fucking this up it's the the, yeah the anti-thesis is tear it out and put a boulevard and what they're worried about is that the thesis is going to wind up being more in the flavor of a surface level boulevard so all they're trying to do is move the Overton window. They're trying to to put a stake in the in the in the earth for the idea of let's keep the god awful piece of shit we've got now.
1: and the the reasoning behind it, right? Other than you know the preposterous, you know, commute time increase that we've talked about on Loserville before. Right. And they're also like, well, we know, you know, highways in the past were used to, you know, uh, keep racial neighborhoods separated, (laughs) but nothing we can do about that now. (laughs) But it's like, but we have an opportunity to do that now. And then it seems to be one that's about cost. Right. They're like, well, if we were to do the one, it'll cost a billion dollars. If we do this, it'll just be six hundred and forty five million dollars. We've saved. So it's this weird fiscal austerity kick that they I mean, it's very much on brand, but just as a stupid. Well, and stupid and today
0: thing. or yesterday at the briefing, the thing, the scare thing that Text Dot was selling that unfortunately Assistant City Manager Majid Al Gaffery was, uh, was amplifying for them. And it's not true. It's absolutely not true that if we don't do what Text Dot says, they won't pay for anything. That's not how that works at all. At all. Text Dot right? yeah. is a committee appointed by the governor, and they have some rules, including a rule that says you have to listen to locals when they issue what's known as a locally preferred alternative. So if the council were to vote for a surface-level boulevard, and believe me, we'll talk about this in a second, but I don't, I don't think the votes are there today, um, their, TxDOT could not probably win that fight long-term. Um, so it's, they, they, they really tried to make it seem like a fail complete. And I was very disheartened at city management's, um, I don't know, Vichy-esque, um, yeah. uh, partnership with the, the invading barbarians. Uh, you yeah. know, it's just, I, I don't understand why city management would cast its lot in with
1: Yeah, carrying water for Dot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, and then you've got—I mean—and I said this to Philip earlier. My favorite quote of, of this was from Kara Mendelssohn talking about tearing down the highway. Uh, you know, said anybody who actually goes on three forty-five and sees all, all the eighteen-wheelers that are there all the time, you wouldn't want that coming through your streets. As though somehow, if three forty-five were torn down, we would have semi trucks driving down, you know, random city streets. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, they, they would just take other. Roads that are high traffic that semis use. Um you know?
0: yes, and not only do we think that several years ago when text dot itself issued the city map plan, which you can still find online in, in case anybody wants to check me, they uh, they theorize themselves that heavy through traffic would utilize 635 and other alternative arterials to simply avoid downtown. Which, if you wind up with fewer 18 wheelers downtown, doesn't Kara like that? Isn't that a that isn't that a good outcome? Now, it, listeners should know that Kara. Uh, is not just some city council person from far north dallas she was the mayor's first pick and first appointment to the regional transportation council which is the group that controls uh in fact is one of the groups that controls funding for projects such as 345 that takes the decision making out of the hands of textile um and so it's that's i i don't you know it for, for a person who's on the RTC to say something like you'll have tractor trailers in your neighborhood if you're for this I, I mean there are only two possibilities that she believes that or she doesn't believe that and <laughs> either of those opportunities either of those alternatives is extremely bad right
1: I mean it's just that's a, it's a crazy thing to say to hypothesize um yeah I Definitely, a, yeah, a head scratcher. But uh, I mean, we had made the call out earlier for folks to to contact council. I saw you did that again this week. You know, this is the time that if folks care about this, you need to be, you know, banging on council's council's door about it. Well, um, so.
0: Tim Rogers, who's the only person who does anything that looks like media criticism in this town, the only professional, I should say, who does it, has a little post on Front Burner, which is definitely worth reading about how illogical the, the editorial board's opinion is. And he also alludes to the fact that Matt Goodman, one of their great writers at D, is going to come back with a, a, a bigger takedown but the thing to remember about D's coverage of this, not that, I, and I'm not saying that D's coverage is not uh, very unbiased and and complete. I mean, Tim is editorializing a bit in his piece, but that's that's his job. So, um, but it, the late Wick Allison, uh, former owner of D Magazine, um, teamed with Patrick Kennedy, our friend, to start the coalition for a new dallas which became a political entity whose primary mission was to get people who run for city council to commit that they would want to tear down i-345 and i will tell you that there are people sitting on council today who told wick and who told patrick something different than their comments today would lead you to believe their opinion actually is and you know um it's up to each person to determine what personally their uh the value is of their promise to a person who has died is like that's that you you have to set that for your own value and times change and I, i'm not i'm not here to cast judgment on everybody on council um we, for one thing we don't know what they're going to do yet so it's it's pointless to castigate them but if there is a situation in which somebody has used coalition for a new Dallas's um money and influence to achieve their seat and then completely abandon the promises that they made. That's something that voters ought to know.
1: A hundred percent right. Um, you know, Tim's uh comment too, right? His speculation he finds for the news's uh position on this was uh has to do with Carpenter Park. Um that if they were to do the Boulevard option, um or I guess either one, right? that part of the Carpenter park is in the right of way that would need to be demolished and rebuilt. and no, no that. no no, no. And no. this is a
0: good point. like it, this is a good point because when we did the remodel of Carpenter Park, we specifically considered any future outcome on i three forty five including trenching, would not affect the park and uh, the the down. Parks for Downtown Dallas, the former Deckard Family Foundation that raises money, um, is officially completely neutral in I-345, but has specifically said it will not affect Carpenter Park.
1: Okay, well, good. That's good to know. Right. That was uh, Tim's theorizing was, you know, Deckard being former chairman of the Dallas News. Well, and it, here's where I
0: spoke too quick. Tim is, as the person, the only person professionally who does media criticism he's got the uh, he really understands the morning news in a way that most people never will so this is valid speculation but their official position is don't worry about it Mm -hmm. because people were reluctant to give money for carpenter park or to vote for the bond package if they thought that the money would then be wasted by uh trenching i-345 right which yeah But we ran these traps back in the day. Fun, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, really great things, right? So anyway, on my
0: Twitter feed, I posted a link to uh, an email that I sent to council. If that gives you any ideas about um, things that you want to write to council, or if it doesn't, or if you think we're dumb, if you have a different idea, this is one of those topics where you should write to council like it, it, this is th- this is a a chance for a big transformational public infrastructure change in the city
1: and that's something where
0: if you're going to be heard on anything i mean be heard on that
1: well and i mean what the 52 percent of the people that was one of the things in the news editorial well 50 percent two percent people that took the survey said that they are in favor of it
0: yeah, 52% of the people who engage with a text.survey. Text.survey. Like, I mean, a stupid... this is the only I mean, this is like saying, um, I mean, DISD has like... terrible turnout, but they they have thousands of times the voters that that text dot has for its stupid survey.
1: That was I was like, what is that's just such a straight man, 52%. I mean, a huge mandate. I mean, that's you know, you know what like, text dot
0: survey didn't have? The ability to verify who is taking it.
1: Taking it, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> IP addresses, I mean, all kinds of stuff. Right?
0: <laughs> so I don't know, man, I, uh, that it, as we discussed before, the current state of play around I-345 is depressing for those of us who think that it needs to be replaced with a service level Boulevard. But as I think I said last time, Now is not the time to give up. Now is the time to double down on your advocacy, because these are long fights. These are long, long fights. And, you know, I think I gave the example last time of DART's D2 project, where the council had voted 14-1 to create it as a surface facility that would have torn down hundreds of millions of dollars of buildings in downtown. And one year later, it voted 15 to 0 to make it a subway. And the reason for that, that's hardly just me. That's a small percentage of that was me, but um, a lot of people continuing to fight and not give up. Yeah, don't give up the ship. Yeah, keep fighting. 99% of losses are from giving up.
1: I like it. Re energize the fight. What else do you got, Philip?
0: uh there was a development about our ubi that i was so excited about yeah yes the editorial board and the mayor are against it (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) um so here's another thing that i kind of wish tim rogers would write about is the the editorial the the editorial board saying the mayor's totally right we need to invest in Five Mile Creek. By the way, investing in Five Mile Creek, not a bad idea. Not a bad idea at all. Probably should be a bond project, not a, here's the 20 million we have for racial equity, let's plow it into infrastructure. We do infrastructure with bonds. So this appeared to be directly aimed at the cash assistance. Did you read it that way? Yes, yeah, I did, yes. Um, so that's interesting because I thought we i thought that that in I thought that discussion might be over,
1: yeah, and apparently it is is not right um <laughs> it's such a, and it's it goes back to that I mean the conversation we had about this when we talked about the UPI thing right is that it's this stupid assumption of this zero sum thing right that if we do this in one area we can't do this in another area and on the one hand, they're talking about how It's not that much money anyway, and it would make a difference in these people's lives and it's a stupid, but it's also like, but if we do it, we're not going to be able to do these other parks and recreation develops and improvements. It's just as it's a false choice that serious people should not even like really pay attention to.
0: Well, and politically, here's the way I see it. I think that the previous discussion where they approved the budget, they approved the $20 million with the very explicit expectation that a small, a very small portion of it would go directly into the hands of poor people. I think that has overwhelming support on council. So I'm interested in why this new initiative is rising up. Um Eric didn't speak up loudly during the approval of the budget. so did his chain get yanked? Um, is I mean who who is initiating this and politically, where do they see it going? because I don't if they came to me and said, Philip, we want to pay you a million dollars to undo the consensus around the cash assistance to poor families. first of all, I don't work for anybody I don't want to I It's privilege. You you can definitely you can feel free to DM me about my privilege. It's it's right here. Um, But, you know, I would tell them I don't have a real good idea of how to do that. And I don't run out of strategy generally. Like, it's very difficult for me to, like, stump myself on what would I do given this set of circumstances. I don't think that gets undone. And so either they believe it can be undone and I'm wrong about that or they're wrong about that. Somebody's made a mistake about the relative likelihood of success or it's being done for a different purpose. Um, is it being done as an election topic for May? Uh, I think that's entirely possible. If Eric is trying to rely on the people that we discussed last episode, the, 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 the scarcity people, the, the zero sum people, to to come out and he thinks this is going to drive votes. I, I think that's entirely possible.
1: Right. Well, and it does. I mean, it's the fifth. So Tristan Hallman's quotes, right, was the, the mayor does not support a cash giveaway program. There are limited dollars and a lot of possibilities. So the mayor is looking for the most impactful projects that fit the objective of investing in historically underserved and overlooked communities. Right. It's like sounds, sounds sounds campaigny, doesn't it? Yeah, it is very campaigning, right? And yeah, there are limited dollars and lots of possibilities. But and it, it sounds it, it, like I he's mean, not even going to yeah. make a
0: serious attempt to undo what the council voted for, right?
1: No, not at all. I don't think, right? Yeah, because he from, could he could have me. a
0: so the 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 I guess the uh, the agenda for next week came out last Friday. He could have had an item on that agenda to undo that program. Mm-hmm. I don't think he cares. I think he just wants to talk about it's the political posturing, right? Giveaways, we, yeah, giveaways, giveaways. You know, really, what yeah. if somebody, if somebody cares about these people? Um, I mean, I think a lot of us care about these people. If somebody who is media savvy cares about these people, it would be good to go identify some people who would be likely recipients and put them on camera. Yeah. Uh to, yeah, to we'll talk like $250 about what two hundred and fifty dollars a month do would yeah. mean to them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that would be a great, a terrific idea, right? Um, yeah, very electioneery, very campaign y And yeah, it's counting on those folks that well, they're just the giveaways. We're just giving away all this money to all these people. Is it rude if I say uh,
0: that is using poor people as a political prop?
1: No, I don't think so.
0: I mean, using, I mean, the idea that, I don't know, man, this is a weird, you get into a weird situation here, thinking about people's motivations. There are definitely people who believe very clearly that giving money to poor people is the wrong thing to do. You shouldn't do it. If you recast it as here's a potential recipient Tell me what you accomplished by taking away $250 a month from this person who, who clearly can articulate why he or she needs it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the better way to look at it. Council already voted for this. It's it, this isn't like you're 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 trying to flip the debate. You don't get to sit in the position of we're starting from Reaganism and everybody else has to prove their case. This is we decided to help some people. So what's the case for not helping them?
1: And right, I don't and think there is one. Yeah. I
0: think it's just gross politics.
1: This, yeah, right. And it's the same. I mean, it's the same people that would argue, right, that you know Joe Biden is, is incredibly incompetent, has no idea what the hell he's doing, but he's also like an evil criminal mastermind that's hell bent on turning America into full-on communism, right? Is it, this sort of like it? It cannot at the same time be a, a program that would not do any good for anybody. And is a stupid waste of money because people need more help than it would provide and also be a thing that sinks the budget on being able to do these other stuff that the city like that, that's not, it can't be both right.
0: It's not both it's it's just. Um, that it, People have taken calling it hyper partisanship that there's a word that pre exists that that I find better it's tendentiousness it's somebody who is. Um going to argue on a certain side, regardless of the facts, regardless of anything else, because it's not real. It's about I'm on this team, you're on that team.
1: Speaking of great um, lot well, parts of the mayor's reelection uh, campaign, um, he, there was this story about the conversation about homelessness that uh, the mayor was talking about how he thinks that all the cities in North Texas should. Chip in more to help with homelessness, because Dallas bears the entire burden of it, but it includes this weird thing in here about how downtown Dallas could have more residents and businesses based there and fewer people experiencing homeless if we hired more police officers. Sure. What? Like, I, don't, I don't understand the correlation there between, between the two. I mean, one if increasing the size of police departments was an effective method of fighting crime then we should have lower crime like the crime rates should have been just decreasing constantly throughout american history because police departments never shrink they just get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and, bigger. and crime still happens right like the uh, and uh, if I, you have was,
0: if you if yeah. you have you know um officers per thousand people as Dallas had in 2017, Um, you should have much lower crime than Fort Worth, which had 2.12 officers per thousand people in the same period of time, using more or less the same sample of population.
1: Yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. in theory, right, if that were if that were the case, right, so yeah, more police officers in New York, crime. which
0: has four point seven five officers per thousand people should be virtually crime free.
1: Well, New York's a hellhole. I don't know if you pay attention to things, Philip, but it's the <laughs> most dangerous. I mean, it's just people just get shot all the time, just walking outside. I mean, it's just I mean, if that. Yeah, I <laughs> listening to, you know, these folks on the commentators on Fox News or that, talk about cities in the way that they talk about them in the places that they live in i just don't you know i don't know how could it be a hellhole where people are just dying all the time but yet you still choose to work and live there i don't know man it's a mystery if it were that dangerous i think i would leave right if i feared for my safety to that degree all the time um but yeah they're gonna someone is gonna have to help me Understand how we can fight homelessness by hiring more police officers. I just don't, especially I mean,
0: since every policy we've passed in the last ten years has tried to decrease interactions between police and homeless. homeless you know it, and believe me, I, I've ridden along with cops. Um, I've ridden along with firefighters. I've talked to hundreds of both. They don't love the part of their job that involves having to care for homeless people. That's mm. not what they love. And, uh, and I don't blame them. Uh, it, I've seen it a few times. It does not look pleasant. Um, but the answer is not to uh, police people whose primary problem is lack of resources. As we discussed, free, you know, before we, we're, we're becoming the, the Brunings podcast, we, we, we just need to do what Finland does. So <laughs> if we just do what Finland does things would be a whole lot better. But the mayor's not wrong about increasing population density downtown. He's wrong about that police are the key to doing that. Investment is the key to doing that. And I'll tell you that the problems of homelessness become amplified in people's minds when the only thing they see is homelessness. And I've lived in DC Um, I've spent a lot of time in San Francisco and LA and New York places with much worse homeless, uh, problems than Dallas has. And part of what goes on there is that the perception is somewhat less bad simply because there are more other people around. Now, the other thing that that does is it actually improves the plight of the homeless people because typically people living in a neighborhood that has homeless people, there's some percentage of them that like to help the homeless. Some of them are frightened and, and horrified and all that. And um, I'm not, I, I really, I, I don't care to argue with those people, but there's some portion of people who live in a vibrant downtown type neighborhood um, or just a dense place to live who will help take care of homeless people. There are just more resources around for the people who need the resources.
1: Yeah, right. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Weird connection. Uh, We also had to he had to throw in his obligatory kudos for Chief Garcia for uh, solving the problem, even though we have more murder than we more murders this year than we did last year.
0: Solved, Tyler. They went to Congress. They told Congress this: you can't. You, <laughs> we're, I mean, I, we're you can't relitigate Congress.
1: If only other cities could adopt our playbook for increasing our murder rate from year to year and fighting <laughs> and fighting crime. Uh, well, um,
0: as a person who doesn't believe that the murder rate has anything to do with policing. Um, I am also hesitant to blame an increase in murders on police.
1: Yes. And yeah, I no, I would, I would prefer fair. to be
0: fair about that. Yes. <laughs> I can tell yes. you that nobody was riding around in a cop car ignoring murders. They they don't do that.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, no. I, I, yes, that is uh, that is a fair a fair counterpoint. Um but yeah, we solved crime. And Dallas is fixed. Um if we just put the word the acronym real in front of everything, that automatically fixes everything. I'm so tired of saying that stupid acronym and we just put it in front of everything now. Maybe we should, I don't know, we could have the real Loserville initiative.
0: Ooh, we ought to, we ought to put some time into thinking what that would be. <laughs> or maybe we'll come up with our own acronym for. Uh, fake, fake is what. Pop <laughs> Policies to avoid. Um <laughs> So I went to the uh, State Fair of Texas last week um, with a friend of my part of the show, a guy you need to meet, um, the great Pasha Hadari and his brand new bride, Rebecca, um, and we had a blast. But about 20 minutes in, I was banned by the group from bringing up any more shitty stuff that the State Fair of Texas has done because i am apparently an encyclopedia and a fountain of information about all the bad stuff yeah
1: and i dragged them
0: too. yeah yeah i dragged them to uh i dragged them to the edge of the whatever building it is that we put the uh oh no it's it's the i'll tell you what it is it's the that must be the western corner of the hall estate where there is There are some incised relief images painted and in the side of the the plaster. And uh, my favorite piece of it is the scene. They're all scenes of the history of Texas. Um, And my favorite one is this uh, pioneer, his hat on the ground, clearly having been knocked off because he's in a knife fight with an Indian. (laughs) <laughs> and the Indian is wearing a headdress, uh, highly indicative of Plains Indian tribes that never set foot in Texas.
1: Texas. Well, how would you else would you know that they're an Indian, Philip? I mean, you it, know, that's yeah. You've got that effect on people too. That must that must be why we get along. My friends tell me that all the time. <laughs> they're like, "All right, enough, Tyler." And I'm like, "Well, you know."
0: So I saw the I saw the DPD mounted wandering around the the fair and um you know those guys are cool obviously they they keep their shit they're very squared away and they keep those horses in great shape um it's not it it's nothing we should be wasting the millions of dollars we're wasting on because it doesn't have an actual public safety purpose but they're but pretty it got cool me to, looking it got me to thinking about and i i did a little research on this before the show i couldn't find the answer years ago we discovered that um With very, very little indication of where it lived in the budget, the city was quietly funding $3 million a year for state fair security. Every cop that you saw at the state fair was just being paid by the city and not by the state fair of Texas. And so we went ballistic and we got it reduced, I think, the first year to $2 million. And then I think actually we may have gotten it reduced to $1 million, but the thing I couldn't determine this year is whether the city of Dallas paid for any DPD officers to be at the state fair. There were plenty, plenty, plenty there. And I would submit that the state fair can afford to pay them itself if it so chose. And so my question is whether the city is still paying for it and whether the state fair is paying full freight. Time and a half for an off-duty officer. officer, officer. Um, very difficult to figure out the the books and records that the state fair is, is uh, required to produce don't don't require it to produce that level of detail. Um, I did see their executive compensation; it is still quite outrageous. Um, the state fair is, you know, best year like a sixty million dollar enterprise, and the the CEO makes closest makes no difference a million bucks a year so anyway part of the reason for that is because the state fair years ago signed a contract that said that it would use all of its excess revenues to either fix up the park or invest in the surrounding neighborhoods and um, since they signed that contract every single year they have had zero excess revenue
1: huh that's surprising
0: Excess revenue was surprisingly defined in a way that allows the state fair to determine exactly what it is. And so, if they happen to pay their CEO a million bucks a year, hey man, they looked that's into just it. The they way tried. It goes.
1: Yeah, they tried. <laughs> they uh, they looked into it. Wow, that's uh, yeah. And they
0: they're a 501c3. They're a, a tax exempt entity under the Internal Revenue Code. And um, Planned Parenthood, uh, which is a multi billion dollar Nonprofit 501 501c3 um, paid its ceo cecile richards several years ago she hadn't been ceo in a while half a million bucks a year to run that enterprise and for that excessive compensation she had to go testify in front of congress congress for it yeah interesting anyway it's a there's a great series that you can still find online from a uh, central track that they published a few years ago about all the reasons not to go to the fair. Uh, it's still timely. Most of the things they pointed out have not been fixed. Uh, so I, I encourage people to read that and not have to go to the fair with uh, a, um, a person of my personality
1: a and background <laughs> a debbie downer yeah
0: right go with that, somebody go with somebody uh, and have fun drink beer right right don't take
1: yeah don't take philip and i to that we had a, my friends group and i had a conversation yesterday about if i were a, a public school teacher in texas how long it would take for me to one be fired and two before i was greg abbott and ken paxton's public enemy number one uh, in, in Texas, because I have now had the conversations with students in schools the last couple of weeks where I talked about how the Alamo is our lost cause narrative of the state of Texas. And we just, you know, have how completely ended up this and people uh, and uh, that I was like, don't tell your parents I'm bringing in the critical race theory, you know, into the into the classrooms. And then I was like, if I were a public school teacher, I don't know that I would make it a day before they would fire me. And then I had this, you know, the the key in in our
0: in our stupid um, society where, um, you know, uh, we're so I hate to say we're so polarized, but there are two teams. And the key to this is always to be the first one and the loudest one and the one who flouts the authority, the maximum, so that when they do whatever they can do to you and it varies you know sometimes they can't do anything to you and sometimes you're you know um chelsea manning you know <laughs> i mean yeah. you can get some real bad shit that happens to you but be the be the first one so that when you come out on the other side then you become the media darling of whichever side you were on and you get you know some kind of
1: all uh, the speaking gigs right yeah, yeah. The speaking gigs tour. And some,
0: kind of, some kind of job and and shit like that it's just disgusting
1: I know we want to talk about the the D Magazine piece about Suzanne Wooden before we get to that. That was where that, I
0: wanted to kind of close
1: up. Where yeah. did you have something before that? Well, so the whole, the Dallas County elections, the hell is going on down there? That place, I just don't, you know, at a time when we do not need to have any doubts about election integrity, they just are in, completely incompetent down there. So the story this week is that they were they messed up the ballot printing for mail-in ballots, and so they have mailed out – had to mail out a second mail-in ballot to voters because they made a error in the number of write-in lines that were on the first ballots that they sent out. And they've got safeguards in place so that no one's vote will be counted twice, but it's like why do we keep doing these like preventable errors that just – contribute to people having doubts about the integrity of the election process
0: um the the short well the immediate answer um is that in the last county budget the commissioners did not have sufficient alarm about the threat that was coming because not only it, 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 the threat comes in a lot of ways there's direct threat from people who are seeking to cast doubt on the election so it's getting a lot more expensive to run a free and fair election. Yeah. But then also being an election worker has become very unpleasant. So there are many less of them. I and mean, we will we will have fewer polling places than the elections department really would like us to have because they won't be able to staff them all. And they're paying good money. You know, they're paying living wage to work these jobs. Um, so, I mean, and, you know, they're affected by, the fact that wages have gone up like everybody else so they they should they're paying 15 to 18 and they should probably be paying 25 to 28 and that would probably move the needle a little bit better but you know a a lot of these jobs are filled by volunteers historically and uh those volunteers are drying up because who wants to put up with the abuse that they get in these positions and um the, so the, the I'm a little critical of the commissioners who in general I think are extremely good as a group um so this isn't this isn't I don't want to just be seen as saying they're terrible at their jobs but they they underestimated what was coming and I don't think that uh, uh Michael Scarpello the, the 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 director of that department has the resources he really needs to be super effective. But that doesn't answer the question about the mistakes. Um, and so there's blame in a lot of places here, um, including in his office. Um, and I'm not saying, I, I am not saying Michael Scarpello needs to go. I, I, I just don't think that the record is complete on that yet. He needs, we need to see what he does in, with this election for one thing. Um, but he needs to step up. Uh, I I think that's pretty easy to see the last municipal election wasn't awful, but it did have hiccups and the one before that, um, the November uh, 20 election had um, had uh, polling places that were running low on ballots. Um, yeah. you know, and they, and they fixed it. They got it figured out, but it's just not understanding how many voters are going to show up at a, at a, at a, at a location is a function of two things inexperience, um, born of either new people in the organization or changing polling locations. Like there, there's been way too much changing of polling locations and we would do way better with a director who said, you know what, this is a fixed list and it's going to take dynamite to move one of these
1: yeah 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 and it doesn't help right with the concerns about school safety because of the craziness right that a lot right. of schools have DSD is this,
0: much less right? willing to help yeah
1: yeah yeah uh yeah there's a lot of of blame to go around for sure and we were i, I know it, in uh back in the primary right frustrated with how long it took them to even get results posted um you know that seems to continue to take a bafflingly long amount of time um as well um so i don't know it was just it was a frustrating thing um and we just don't need to do make more unforced errors
0: make fewer unforced errors yes correct correct yeah okay last thing for the week um people who follow us on social media will already have seen this but d magazine did an extraordinarily deep dive into the suzanne wooten saga and it truly is a saga which is why the story is so long um when i say long it's like eleven thousand words but it's it's worth your time you will be gripped by the each each part of this story gets more and more bizarre and infuriating um, and I I had stayed relatively connected to it because I used to try a lot of cases in Collin County. Uh, I had, a, and not even so much try cases. I was had motions and hearings and lots of litigation up there. I was in Collin County courts an awful lot, and I'm friends with or professionally familiar with multiple people involved in this debacle. The short version of this is A judge in Collin County who took out an incumbent who I had practiced in front of and who was, in fact, fucking terrible, um, uh, was falsely indicted for bribery, uh, convicted, lost her law license, um, and then the whole fucking thing fell apart on appeal, including exoneration of absolutely everybody involved in the deal except for one guy who basically just didn't try very hard, um, and the most bizarre part of the story is that the 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 bad actors, the ones who did things that most certainly are criminal, have never faced any comeuppance whatsoever. <laughs> it's just bananas, and it's such. It is such. It's a. It is a. It's a viewport into the interior life of Collin County and especially Collin County Republican politics and the courthouse up there that I've known quite a bit about for years, but it's very hard to communicate to people in a way that they understand or would believe if you told them just the very facts of what happened. It's it's so unbelievable. I, I, I commend this story to you. It's by the great Kathy Wise, um who is a former lawyer journalist so that's she's got some unique perspective and we i think i have not sent out the invitation but pete schulte one of her lawyers is a good friend of mine and he's certainly got a mouth on him so i think we can get him on the show
1: you know and one of the the bad worst actors i don't know worst is hard because it was a it, it's a cast of awful the governor greg Abbott, former attorney Indeed. general right uh was in on this whole deal was complicit in this uh, yeah that whole thing is what i mean the the story is insane i mean they brought tried to bring it up in front of a grand jury six different times to trump up over losing an election i mean that's wild and the man that lost what did i say that they he had an eight percent approval rating from the collin county bar oh yeah we all hated him it was terrible (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> and i was, i'm a i'm a civil practitioner he never screwed me as bad as he screwed criminal defendants that's where he was bad is he was convicting people who were innocent and and then putting people and then over sentencing people to a degree that is just
1: unconscionable you mean hang them all sandoval that was his nickname right that was that was absolutely his nickname <laughs> hang all but sandoval. It, just on the on the civil side
0: you know we have In some ways, less at stake. It's money, so it's it's important. But um, we what we care about is predictability. And whoa, my God, he was a crapshoot.
1: Well, you don't want that in judges, right? Yeah, yeah, you don't. (laughs) I don't want to know what you're. Yeah, people, (laughs) you want to know what you're getting when you're going in there for sure, right? Not an attorney, but uh, I don't know. I generally trust when lawyers say that attorneys or that judges are bad.
0: Right. So we may, we may do a whole episode at some point with Pete Shulte telling the story from the beginning and putting in the parts that couldn't be printed.
1: Mm-hmm. That would be spicy. Uh, but the story in of itself is plenty spicy enough, right? As it is. It should be a movie, shouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's wild. It is. Yeah. Or it would make a great podcast, you know, yeah. too. Um, it's crazy. People should go read it. All 11,000. Anyway, thousand
0: words. the, uh, the the victim slash ultimate heroine of the story, Suzanne Wooten, uh, was quite a good judge. And uh, I am happy to see that she has
1: recovered her life. Yeah, seems to be a nice person who had, yeah, I mean, a lot taken away from her over ne- literally nothing. Collin County, man. But hey, they've got uh, two HEBs now. So <laughs> I just, uh, you know, I. <sighs> Everybody makes their own decisions about where they
0: live. And so you can only understand another person's decision to the extent you can put yourself in their shoes. And this goes out to all my Collin County friends. I don't know
1: why the fuck you live there. Collin County scares me. Yeah, it's, it's scary to me. That's, uh, you know, I've had some friends that have been like, well, the HEBs are great. You know, I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, I, you couldn't pay me to live in Collin County. That, those people scare me up there.
0: Oh, I do have one last closing thing. We talked about Bernie coming down to Texas 15 to campaign for Michelle, which is absolutely great. He's being brought down by Greg Kassar, uh, my friend who will be in Congress starting in January. Um, And uh, Greg is doing some fundraising for Bernie's trip because when you're Bernie, Um, it costs money for you to appear places not because Bernie is accepting any money he's not it's because you have to pull permits to have events the size of Bernie events and so if you uh, if you're not tapped out this cycle please look up Greg Cassar's campaign webpage and throw a little money his way to offset the cost of Bernie coming down to try to save South Texas
1: we love we love that yeah, feel the burn. South Texas will get to feel the burn. I thought about rearranging my travel plans, but then I also want to sleep in my own bed, like occasionally. Um, to you, stick you've around. given enough. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I'm excited. I'm excited. Colin Allred was there this weekend, too. Um, you know, it was... Uh, I, Some people are trying, so we shall remember them fondly. Well,
0: you know, most... Our friend T.C. Fleming always says everybody's trying in their own way, and I actually don't agree with him at all. Uh, <laughs> there, are definitely some shitty people who are, who are who are fundamentally not trying in any way. But um, you know, it's a nice thought. A lot of us are trying. A lot of people are trying.
1: All right. I well, mean, I, I,
0: everybody agrees that I'm trying, whether they like me or not. That's it's just correct. All in your definition. Yeah. All in your definition of trying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. all right. Have a good week,
0: Philip. You too, man.